time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners and race fans, to episode 29 of the Feelin' Film podcast. This week, we bring on a special guest to help us spread the love for a criminally underrated film, the Wachowski's 2008 live-action version of Speed Racer. And with that, let me just introduce that special guest, Mikey Fissel, creator and host of Real World Theology. Mikey, thank you for coming on. It's about time. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate any and all chances I have to talk about film, especially when I don't have to do all the work. I don't blame you there, as we were just discussing. It is, a, it is a little bit of a bear, but, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. That's right. <laughs> All righty. Well, without no further ado, let's get on track. Uh, <laughs> and go, go, go. <laughs> go Speed Racer. I see what you did there. Go Speed Racer. Go Speed Racer. <laughs> go Speed Racer. Okay. Um, all right, so. Getting into the movie, let's just jump right in. Uh, we won't do our normal uh, what we've been up to section this week since we have Mikey with us. Um, we really want to be able to hear his thoughts and uh, have more time to discuss this one. So, guys, first question is really just what did you think of it? Mikey, I know your thoughts, so I want to let Patrick go first because I do not know what Patrick thought about the movie yet. Well, um <laughs> I'm going to admit, when I saw the uh, the trailers for this when it first came out, uh, full disclosure, I'm a huge fan of the cartoon. I love the reruns that I watched um, growing up. I think they were, I don't know if they were on Nickelodeon or whatever, but I knew that they were reruns because I wasn't born in the 1960s, so um, they were definitely syndicated. So seeing what I saw of the, the trailers, it I wasn't really jazzed about it. I mean, it looked... Like it was sort of paying tribute to the just the fantastic colors over the topness of it. And so when I uh, when I queued this thing up, I actually hadn't seen it before this week. And so uh, if we if if we would normally call this a second chance pick, this was a first chance pick for me. (laughs) But I had I'll have to admit, I had a hard time getting started. Um, I I just it it was a bit jarring actually. I I just, I definitely had to get used to the cartoonish backdrops and to the suspending of my disbelief. Um, it reminded me a lot of the way I experienced a movie like Roger Rabbit where they kind of interplay real life people with cartoon stuff. And so when I began to kind of get used to that, the movie itself started getting a lot more fun. Like I kind of had to get used to the, the all the sights and the the tone and everything, and, and once that happened, it became really really fun for me to uh, to embrace all the visuals and uh, what I was really impressed with was the overall crafted story. I mean, something that was just absolutely uh, unexpected coming from a movie that looked very well. I mean, if I could be blunt, very shallow. There was a lot of depth to the story being told, and so when I started seeing that it got me even more into it. And, uh, as a result, uh, I, I came away really enjoying it. Good, 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 good. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so $20 or is it 30 that I get after this, right? Is it, <laughs> no, we could talk about that. 
Okay. So Mikey, no, it was really good. It was really good. Mikey, you're here because you love it, right? Uh, I am here because I love it. Um, <laughs> but so okay, so it's so it's not my it's not my podcast, which means the way I see things, I'm not supposed to ask questions. But I do have a I do have a follow up question because uh, you, you talked about the the story like was it almost like surprised you it was more than you expected and it and it actually had some depth and I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, because I, I want you to be able to go into that later. Um, I think from the outline, I think you're going to do that. But I'm just can you can you give me an idea of what two or three ideas surprised you? Like what did you, what what was in it that you didn't think would be in it? Well, I think, um, and I'll and I'll preface this by saying here come the spoilers, which we always do. So, um, when one of my favorite scenes that really set up this idea was that the way in which the uh, the characters were introduced through Speed's race, um, the Grand Prix that uh, we find out over the course of like the first few minutes of the movie was on a track that his brother had set a record for. And so what we get is this layered uh, set of just like facts or not facts, but just uh, things about the characters uh, through the course of this of this move or through the, through the course of this scene, we find out about what happened to Rex. We find out about speed's relationship with his brother, how he grew up just loving racing, uh, their relationship with their dad, um, his relationship, uh, speed's relationship with, um, uh, Trixie. Is it Trixie? That's right. Trixie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, we get, and, and then we get this, this moment where speed is racing the ghost of his brother, like this ghost car. And I thought that was phenomenal Um, because I'm watching this and I'm going, okay, it could have been that we're just told this, that, oh yeah, something happened to Rex and speed's going to, you know, he's going to try to race his brother. And that could have actually been the, what surprised me was that could have been the climax of the movie because that seemed like a great little, plot point you know is he gonna beat his his brother's you know record and so seeing him then go uh take his foot off the gas and 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 quote you know kind of let his brother win or let his brother's record stay uh stay intact began to tell me okay there's a lot more to this story than just his relationship with his brother and then the rest of the story just begins to unpack uh, from that opening scene. So the, the Wachowskis, what they do is they, they give you all these little nuggets of like, oh, what's that about? Or what's this about? In that opening sequence, which was just visually fantastic. And then over the course of the movie, we find out about uh, more about Speed's relationship with his brother, why he ended up um, leaving the family and going to do the, uh, the, the racing that he did. And... Um, so I guess what surprised me was the fact that I didn't expect that level of heart that early on in the movie. Like it, mm. it grabbed me emotionally uh, within those first four or five minutes. Like it could have been hokey. It could have been like, let's really pay tons of tribute to the old cartoon. But from the very beginning, the Wachowski said, look, we're going to tell our story and, and we're going to throw in some, some, some depth some some real emotional heart to this uh, because we want you to love the characters we don't want you to just be happy that you're seeing one of your old cartoons on the big screen in live action Mm. and 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 that's where i got surprised 
pleasantly surprised. That's I, so that's really cool because the thing is, I, I try to evangelize this movie to people, and I feel like I'm always curious what someone who's seeing it for the first time really takes away from it because I, I've watched this movie. I feel like you know a dozen times, which if it's something a movie you love, it almost seems like a dozen isn't embellished enough. It's not hyperbole enough to think that I really love it. But I mean, how many movies have we all seen like 12 times? Right. You know, I I love it. It's one of the first movies I bought on Blu-ray because it's visually amazing, but I have a hard time putting in words why someone should see it. Like I can't give them the elevator pitch. I could do the, I could do the five or 10 minute spiel about going down about like, Hey, I know there's, there's, plot holes in it i know that the overarching idea um is a little vague with like a a a menacing corporate bad guy versus the little individual you know and it's not fleshed out very well and we kind of have an understanding of the motivations but honestly it's just about these characters and I, i think most of the people that have not seen this film that i try to get to watch this film do exactly what you did, which is they, they see a preview or, you know, just a couple, like a clip or two. And I think if you take any of this movie out of the context of the whole vision that the Wachowskis have for it, then it doesn't make sense. Like it looks, it looks like childish and not childish, like in a, like a cartoon fun for kids kind of way, but just like, like it was slapped together. Like it's cartoony, uh, silly, has no substance, is just wacky, larger than life characters. But they manage to make us care about all kinds of characters, and they do it through lots of the things that I think uh, you, you've you've already hit on, which is uh, I would call Speed Racer possibly the first successful video game movie because all it really is <laughs> is Mario Kart and F Zero, kind of like pushed into one. Oh yeah. And you know, for the super Nintendo fans out there. And so it's like, it's like that movie. If it ever got made, uh, it does, uh, do great callbacks to the actual speed racer cartoon. Um, and, and does it so in like, a, in, in a, in a tongue in cheek way sometimes, but at the same time, like they, they never take themselves too seriously. Um, and I think it's hard to do that and also develop characters you care about. Oh, and yeah, definitely. Like, like I said, overall, like, are there some, are there some cliches? Are there some, like I said, some plot holes about, like I said, the racing, the fixing the racing and stuff like that. Yeah. It doesn't really, it's not airtight, but it really doesn't have to be. Cause you care about like every single character, all the, all the henchmen, all the bad guy type characters, even if they're only in for a race or a couple minutes of the film, we were just rewatching, uh, earlier tonight and i'm just like i'm so surprised a dude who's trying to to you know knock speed out of a race and i'm only seeing him in the race for two minutes i'm like i know everything about him and i think it's so wacky and funny and i for some reason i don't think it's dumb and i'm having a lot of fun and i know everything about that kind of henchman and why he's a henchman and what his motivations are uh, it's like i said I, i'm blown away and I think the hardest thing for me and why I feel like I'm already rambling about this movie 
is because I have I have a really hard time putting my finger on the specific reason why I love this film so much, besides the fact that I basically get teary-eyed during the final race all the time. So, I mean... Well, that's okay. Where do I go? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a good sum up of it. I mean, it's... It's the same. I have the same exact reaction. I when I first watched it, I did not understand what I was watching, and it took a second. The, the same thing. Oh, yeah. that, same thing that you guys did. And then, you know, by the it's it's one of those movies that by the you don't really appreciate and understand it until the end. And and there are many movies that as they start and as you're watching them, you get thirty minutes into it, and you can be like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, and I've made my opinion at that point for the most part. This one, you really have to get through the end of it. You have to take the whole package and see it from a 20-foot perspective afterwards and go, oh. Um, and then, you know, to your point, the, the trailer doesn't do it justice because it mm-hmm. it captures the visual, you know, gorgeousness of the film and the style, but it definitely can't ever capture the characterization and the heart. And I was, I was blown away, too. That's That's what got me the most was you know you start off by just going through these bonkers wacky scenes that you know introducing characters who name whose name is speed right his first name (laughs) and you're just like uh here we go like this is really gonna be you know one of them has a monkey and it's just it it looks like it's going to be a joke like it's just gonna be a joke and i think we're so used to seeing that from hollywood we're so used to seeing a joke (laughs) you know like they don't actually put uh feeling into it that it was jarring and surprising to actually start caring about, like you said, and to get teary eyed during the final race and to actually care about the characters and to get sad when, you know, when Rex is telling his brother, no, I'm not your brother. Sorry. When he's lying to his face and just to keep his identity, you know, and it's like, that's emotional. It's a tough moment. So it's, it's a pretty powerful movie beyond just the, the fun of it. And, it, and yeah. that's why and I that's think a, it's special, you know, is because it can yeah, blend it, those two together. And there's, and that's the challenge is that blending of those two, because the original cartoon, if, if either of you are familiar with it enough, you know, that cartoons, at least back in the sixties, weren't necessarily trying to be anything like cartoons are today, either overly satirical or overly, uh, funny or whatever. I mean, they, they, they had their place. Cartoons were, you know, by default translated into being something that was sort of lighthearted, high um, highbrow uh, adventure, not highbrow, but um, just really light, shallow adventure. And so the movie was kind of at a disadvantage because that was kind of what the cartoon was. I mean, it, it had heart, but I'm not watching the cartoon because I want to feel emotionally driven. I'm watching the cartoon because I love seeing Speed Racer and I love the theme song and all that really fun stuff. It was a fun cartoon. And so uh, that's when I have to give you know, all kinds of respect to the Wachowskis because they already were at a disadvantage when they decided to to make this film. And then when you add those layers of real, honest, emotional heart to it, uh, the fact that the three of us connected to it, I think is a, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of other people that did. There were obviously people that didn't, but I think that's a, that's, that's a win in my book when, uh, when we can capture and we, we can grab hold of what their vision was and be able to grab hold of the emotional aspect of it. Well, that, that brings me to a question that I had, and I don't know if any of us can really fully answer this because we aren't the, de- the demographic here, but it makes me wonder why people don't like it. 
uh, once they've seen it. I can understand why people would be unwilling to see it or would be standoffish and, and kind of reluctant in the beginning. But what I, what I don't understand is the ratings that this thing has received. It's, it's kind of like one of those films where I guess you'd call it a cult classic because it generally is beloved. I, I haven't heard anyone online when I've brought it up go, oh, why do you like that? That's awful. All of the responses are always, oh, that's ama- it's either that's amazing or I haven't seen that. But yet it's got a terrible Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, does it? Oh my it gosh. does. It's pretty bad. <laughs> um, and I just, I just don't understand that. I don't understand what may have been turning people off from this. Have you, have you Mikey introduced anybody to it that didn't like it after they saw it? No, that's the thing. I, I actually haven't found anyone that I'm aware of that didn't actually like the film, at least in person. Uh, the, the problem is that I run in overwhelmingly, to people who just have flat out not seen it. And, and like I said, I have a hard time besides giving it like a, as strong a personal recommendation as I can to, to, to watch it. Because like I said, what, what, what are they going to do? They're going to go watch the trailer. It's going to look silly. They're not going to really understand what, what was doing. And, and like, I don't blame them because I mean, I, I watched the trailer. The only reason I watched this film in the first place, but because I, mean, I, I, I marginally like the speed racer cartoon um, I never got to catch all of it. It was always something I like. I call, I think, like on late late night MTV when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't really, I didn't really understand what Speed Racer was all about. I just knew that it was mildly entertaining. So it wasn't like Speed Racer. The character was bringing me to the film, but I'm watching it because the Wachowskis made a movie. And at the time, I was still basically watching everything the Wachowskis made, and it was something so wholly and utterly different than I expected that. Like I said, I, I have a hard time explaining what what people should go in watching this for, um, and so people add it to their lists. Uh, you know, my good friend Mark, I've been trying to get him to to watch this movie. I think for five or six years now, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you keep telling me that. You keep telling me that I ought to watch it sometime." I'm like, "No, you ought to watch it now. <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray. You can borrow it. If you don't watch it on Blu-ray, you're doing yourself a disservice because it's one of the most visually beautiful films that I've ever watched." Um, and he's like, "Oh, that sounds great." Like I said, you just can't get people, yeah, um, like uh, over the hump. But mm-hmm. I've never had anyone like kind of come over the hump with me and not enjoy it. Um, and maybe they're just great at lying to me that, you know, they know I love it so much. They wouldn't tell me otherwise who knows. Uh, <laughs> but I, like I said, I haven't actually met anybody. I'm actually going to letterboxd right now to, to see what kind of negative things people could possibly say about this movie. Like, Oh, I enjoyed it too much that I hate it. I can't, you know, I'm trying to figure out what they would say. Yeah. I, so. I don't know either. Um, so there's two, I would say two or three big themes in this film, which is, I mean, like we said, that's the surprising thing is that there are themes um, that it goes beyond the stylization and stuff. And I want to talk about those, but first let's, let's just address that. The, the fact that it is a beautifully stunning film. I mean, it is one of, if not the most gorgeous film that I think I may have ever seen. I, I, I struggle to come up with something as brightly colorful from start to finish as this movie was. And I know we all feel that way. So I guess let's address it like this. What are your, what are some of the favorite parts of the stylization and and some of your favorite cinematography 
animation in this that really stuck out to you above and beyond the whole because the whole is amazing as it is i would say off the top of my head the uh, the drifting sequences and that opening mm. race sequence i was reminded a lot of uh <laughs> probably the um probably the least uh popular movie in the fast and the furious franchise tokyo drift the uh <laughs> i remember that was the thing that i loved about that movie one of the one of the things i loved about it the most and seeing that same kind of um drifting happening on the track uh, at least the city ones not necessarily the cross-country races but the uh the grand prix races i thought that was just beautiful um and, and seeing that combined with the gadgetry of each car you know jumping and flipping things that were you know seemingly normal for these race car drivers that allowed them to do so many amazing things on the track but the drifting in particular i thought was really cool because it just it created an elegance to the race it 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 made it feel like it was actually faster than than it was like the and at the same time it it doubled by almost slowing it down so we could catch every nuance of of the race we could see every you know curve that was turned every jump um the the slow-mo effects were used i think very uh, very purposefully they didn't feel overdone and so the race sequences in particular were i mean i'm sure we'll all say that but uh but the, but the drifting aspect of it was one of my favorites to watch that's just weird because apparently dullard yang um thinks that the actual racing scenes are so stupid way too cartoonish to seem like any sort of actual threat was ever present thanks dullard <laughs> This is going to be the rest of the show, just so y'all know. I'm just going to read these terrible reviews of this movie. Wow. That's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's mind-boggling to me because I love the race sequences, and especially once we start getting into the weaponry. Um, you know, oh, yeah. You, you mentioned Mario Kart, Twisted Metal, games like that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I made the same connection to video games. Uh, I just felt like you know it was like racing your, your ghost in a Mario Kart game, trying to beat your, mm-hmm. your ghost when he's racing his brother. And uh, and the whole time that they're introducing, that's one of my favorite scenes too. It's just when they're, I, I guess it's the Casa Cristo race, yeah, the where Cristo. where they're introducing all these different like factions and groups of people that are being paid mm-hmm. and bought off to to try and attack him, and they all have these different unique attack methods, and the cars are just you know tricked out like none other, and it's very. It, it almost it's it's kind of like a spy movie in a lot of ways, um, and you don't expect that going into it. You don't expect James Bond, um, but you kind of get that. You've got Racer X, who's very spy like. You know, you've got the mm-hmm. the awesome cars with the weapons, and I love the way that that stuff is done. But for me, the beginning scenes, once they've they kind of just I mean it's an it's an initial color burst on your eyes, mm-hmm. and, and it takes a second because you're just like, holy crap like what am i what am i watching this is psychedelic did i accidentally eat the wrong brownie or something because (laughs) i i'm not feeling right and then you kind of settle into that and there's these certain scenes there at the beginning where speed is i believe he's talking to his brother there it's at his house but you have a background that's animated so it's it's almost like the the actors are acting on like a blue screen or sorry Mm -hmm. green screen but instead of it, it's just this animation in the background and it's the way that it merges with the character and the characters are made to actually feel like they're in that world is something I've never seen before. Something that Disney's never been able to even quite capture. You know, it's, it's a lot like a, 
it's like a very blown up thing where you know you have Mary Poppins with animated birds mm-hmm. or something, but instead it's 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 a live action character and an entire world around them that they're interacting with. That's this crazy right. watercolory animation, and mm-hmm. so I really like that. Well, yeah, and that's what I was I was saying going back to my earlier point about uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You had this whole blown up um, world of Toontown that these live action actors were were uh, performing in, and so you're you're asked to suspend at least a bit of disbelief, which I think is what played into that opening sequence of of the races. I mean, from the very beginning, we were asked to do something that wasn't normal to believe that a race existed of that kind of absurdity and that kind of magnitude, which is why when you when you agree to do that, that's when it really becomes fun. So maybe that guy's review is really like, oh, I wanted something more realistic. I wanted NASCAR or I wanted something that was more grounded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fine. That's 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 a very, you know, subjective opinion just like ours is. But the Wachowskis weren't asking that. They weren't asking us to believe something real. They were asking us to believe in this world of fantasy that uh technicolor backdrops and almost <laughs> animation uh, worlds actually existed. And this is the normal thing for these guys to live in. Well, I think you make a good point, um, which is why it's even more shocking to have a uh, Brill film with his half star review simply saying that this movie is trash end of review. So that, uh, <laughs> not a lot. That, of, that's quite the contrary. <laughs> not a lot of depth there. in that one. Yeah. It didn't really explain. Uh, but okay. So, to take a break from the letterbox reviews for a second, I would say this. You guys are hitting on a lot of the things that I notice, especially on repeat viewings, which just let me say, this is a film that, well, I mean, I guess it came out before a lot of our fascination with the, the, the what's going to happen next. I mean, we're recording this episode right now as one of the most annoying TV shows to me on TV right now is The Walking Dead because it, to me, does not it does not require rewatching because you're, you only care about what will happen next. Mm. And there are so many films that go through and say, Hey, um, you're going to watch cause you want to know what happens. But once you know what happens, you don't really need to watch the film again because it's only about what happens, not the journey that got us there. Um, and I think it's really hard to make uh, a film that is both compelling and that you want to watch a second time. It's mm-hmm. it's on the it's on to, to me. Speed Racer is on the level of like a Fight Club. Even once you know and understand who Tyler Durden is, you can watch Fight Club again, and it, it just gets better. You can uh, basically I'm just going to list all of um, um, what's his face's films. Uh, Seven. Uh, David. Fincher? Same thing. Yeah, David Fincher. So uh, that was embarrassing. I didn't know that. Uh, off the top of my head. So, you know, Seven's the same way. Seven, you find out what happens at the end of the film, but you can watch Seven over and over and over again, and it's still great. Um, the Matrix, another Wachowski film, uh, you watch it, it, it actually rewards you for watching it again. Speed Racer is like that because it's so visually um, beautiful. It's so, there's so much visual depth there that it just never gets old. The races, you know, we, we obviously are kind of all on the same page about the races in general. Uh, you can talk about many aspects of the races themselves, but even though you know who wins a race, every time they go to Casa Cristo, it's fun. Um, every time you get to the you know the the Grand Prix final, 
it's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, even when, even when you understand what's going on in like the ghost racing scene, it's still just really great to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, like I said, I find so so few films are like that. And I would say it's because they do a couple things during the races, um, and a couple things when they when they tell stuff. And so if we can if we can say that Game of Thrones created uh, sex position, I would say that Speed Racer should at least get some credit for race position <laughs> because uh, I think this is something Patrick, you know, you pointed out earlier, like it. Races can be, well, you didn't point this part out, but I think races can be boring because what do you do? You know, mm-hmm. like usually races are long and only a, there's only a couple moments that really grab you. So the Wachowskis, they, they focus on the moments of the race. Uh-huh. And in between the moments, they're still showing you that things are going on, that, thing, that people are fighting, that things are intense. But during the race, we get those cuts that introduce like the henchman drivers or the pay, you know the paid drivers or what's going on, um, so they're they're using every single bit uh, of the race to uh, tell us about characters or sh- or show us about characters. Actually, they don't really tell us about characters, which is another beautiful part of it. Um, mm-hmm. We don't just have like, oh, this is Vinny. Vinny is from this race team, and he likes this and this and this, and he wears a Viking helmet. Like, we don't need all that. Like the Wachowskis in, I mean, a matter of six to seven seconds, completely introduce a racing team, their motivations, their tricks, and everything, mm-hmm. while also continuing to make you 100% uh, balled in on the race itself. Right. I think that's incredible. Um, well, and I, I think what the, what the Wachowskis do well is they don't treat their audience like they're stupid. They they allow the audience to interpret based on little tidbits here and there. And what you mentioned earlier about introducing the different race teams, we made our own interpretation about their, you know, good guy, bad guy, whatever, based on a few seconds. We didn't have to be handheld. And to me, that's what I respect most about filmmakers is their ability to trust their audience to get what they're trying to say and what they're trying to tell um, with with doing you know, as little as they can, because that makes the journey a lot more fun. I mean, you mentioned the rewatchability of a movie like this. It's, it's not about watching plot points get repeated. It's about catching those moments where the plot points become the things that get you to the end of the movie. And the journey itself becomes the thing that you enjoy the most. Um, because you're, it's like, you know, it's like if you're, if you're a sports fan and you like watching older, um, matchups of your favorite teams you know exactly who's going to win but you want to watch it because you want to re-experience those moments in that game or in that football game or basketball game um catch those little details because you already know what the outcome is you're not watching it because you want to see what the outcome is you want to experience that the process to get to that outcome and i think a movie like this does that really well well in a movie of moments i think the wachowskis create um, like they hit every single moment. Um, you know, not every movie is a movie of moments, but I think action movies, uh, you know, underdog stories, they all lend themselves to great moments. I mean, like we think about Rudy, like no matter all the things we saw Rudy go through and uh, as good as a, a movie like Rudy may be, the thing that every time someone says, oh yeah, I love Rudy is 
Rudy running onto the film at the end of the, uh, or running onto the field at the end of the film and like pumping his hand, finally getting on there and getting into some weird position before he like jumps into the play. Like that's, that's the moment when you're crying, the, the characters are crying, the people watching the movie with you are crying. You're almost out of your seat. Like that's a moment and underdog stories lend themselves. And this particular one give has so many moments um, and they all hit just amazingly. Uh, you know, you, you've talked about the, the, the moments, even the down moments with his mom or with mom or with pops, like encouraging him or warning him. Um, the, the, uh, the, the ghost race, basically I mean, the big races themselves, the moments inside the moments of the races. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it hits all the buttons and, or it hits all the buttons. It hits all the right notes. There you go. Pushes all the right buttons. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't mix its metaphors like some of the guests on the show. Well, you uh, know, it's, so, it's, I find some some interesting irony here because, um, or coincidence, I guess. Irony is such a misused word, and I probably did just there. But I played a video game this afternoon, and it's a short one. It's only about four hours long. It's on a on a platform called Steam, and the game is called To the Moon, and it is basically a story game. And I literally just tweeted this out hours ago that there was a quote from this game where one of the characters is saying the ending isn't any more important than any of the moments leading up to it. And it's exactly what we're talking about. And it's, it's so true that Mm. it's not, it it can't be. And, and for me that makes a story exponentially better. And that's why speed racer is such a special story to me is because it's, not all about what you said, Mikey, the end or what's coming next. So you're not just, you can't just throw away an hour, find out what happened at the end for the next cliffhanger. And then, okay, I'm, I'm caught up. I'm good. I didn't really miss anything. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work like that. Okay. Yes. Speed wins. (laughs) Well, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is not for speed to win. Well, I mean, I think in, if you look at most great stories or most stories that you probably either connect with or, want to hear told over and over there's like a moment i mean like think about think about this the concept of story even separated from film like you're telling you're telling a child a story and you maybe it's a bedtime story that you tell them every night uh and they and you're like you're like how do you not get sick of the same story over and over but when you get to that one part like they're saying it along with you they're just waiting for it. And it might not be the end of the story, but it might be just, like I said, a really great moment. And I think great storytellers know how to uh, milk everything out of a great moment. And people who are bad storytellers don't. They assume that if all the pieces are there and the story progresses, that the story will be good. I mean, I think there is a lot of there are a lot of people who are really starting to hit on this, even I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks back with some WWE wrestlers and they, they were talking about how uh, people always want to have like great matches. They want to have these great wrestling matches. And the problem is people keep thinking that the most important part of the wrestling match is the outcome who won. Did someone win a new belt or did someone get out of the cage or la da, 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 da. But they said, that's not really the point. Like you oftentimes in great matches, forget who won. Mm. You just remember they were great because they have two or three moments in the match. that gets replayed 
over and over. You know, like you don't remember who won the match, but you remember that the dude fell off the cage or the dude fell off the Titan Tron or uh-huh. someone got hit with a, a car or a chair, you know, something ridiculous. I, I feel like I'm trying to um, make people who don't watch wrestling understand wrestling, but, <laughs> but even, you know, even in something that is, uh, predetermined or, you know, silly to a lot of people that there's this idea and understanding of how stories are told and what's important in that storytelling that transcends any medium. You know, it's the, it's the, why we can, um, watch a sport, we can watch a, 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 a sports ball game that we've already seen or that we heard about from, you know, the seventies or eighties and we can still enjoy it. Cause there's two or three moments. Um, you know, so it's sports, it's, you know, grown men drama, it's, it's films, it's telling a child a story over and over that he loves. Like story really excels when someone knows the parts and the buttons to push. You'd almost say that story is powerful. I would, I would <laughs> almost say that. <laughs> almost. Oh. And, and, that, that thing, and, if, and so a story is powerful moments moments are like the fuel that mm-hmm. drives that power yeah they really are yeah. i agree well there's there's a couple of main themes in this one that i want us to talk about um and that is the two the two that really stand out are a theme of family and the importance of family and then a theme of identity and discovering that embracing that um so if if we if one of you has strong thoughts on one of those and wants to jump out and just uh, start <laughs> us off with one of those two, um, feel free because those Patrick are the, those are the he two that I think we want to talk about. <laughs> I, I know he does as well. So Patrick, if you don't mind, what uh, which one of those? I, we'll start with that. Which one of those two themes resonated with you the most? Uh, more than anything, I think identity. Okay, and being unapologetic about who you are and that it tied back into the second theme about family. Um, you can call it being too on the nose, but when you have a name like speed racer, I mean, <laughs> you're just sort of, in, you got to embrace the profession that your family's a part of. But throughout the film, what I, what I loved about speed is that he was never apologetic about who he was. Like he not only enjoyed what he was doing, but he he saw it as an extension of who he was. This wasn't a job to him. Um, even when he wrestled with, um, like, there's a particular moment when they're being they're being courted by the uh, by the big I forget the sponsor company um, who turned out to be the bad guy. Royal uh, Royal Royalton. Royal, yeah. yeah, and so he you know Speed checks out. He goes to try on that suit, and and Royalton asks uh, Pops. He says. He says, uh, so what do you think? And I love that Pops basically said, you know, my opinion is this, but when it comes down to it, it's going to be up to speed, and I support him in whatever it is that he decides to do. And I, I love the fact that Pops believes in in speed enough and in his his love for racing that it extends beyond just the family racing team, that it's really about who he is as a racer. Even that opening scene, if we go back to it and we talk about the fact that you know, speed. He, 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 and and again, I'm I'm kind of you know I'm I'm still out here on on trying to figure out why he did this because it never 
I mean, I think it was out of respect, but you know, why did he, why did he not break his brother's record? <laughs> you know, did he love his brother enough to say, look, this is yours. I don't need this. I don't need to have this, this accolade. I want this to stay yours. But the rest of the movie, we, we see speed doing what he does best because he cares about the integrity of the sport, but he cares about, and he, and he comes to find out that, that racing, um, is, is who he is. And, um, when, and I think it's a, I think it's a moment when, um, racer X says, you know, racing may change, but it shouldn't change us. Or is that, is that right? Did I get that quote right? Um, I'm not sure. But anyway, he basically, I, I may be, but no, he, he said, uh, well, I'll say, I'll say this. Cause like I said, I just finished watching it. Uh, Cause I think it's pretty important. He says, um, it doesn't matter if we change racing, what matters is how racing changes us. Or is it that the how racing changes us or that racing doesn't change us? No, the racing is how racing changes us. Okay. And so knowing that, that racing is who, who speed is, um, and, and seeing him sort of play out that throughout the movie just tells me that he couldn't be anything else. Like he couldn't be, and, and and could not deny who he was. And I think that's what motivated him to want to do the cross country race, not because he was necessarily trying to solve a problem, but because he knew that nobody else could do this. It had to be him. And, uh, it wasn't just that he was the best. It was that he wasn't that he was just the most qualified. It was that he, he was almost compelled to, it was a, it was a compulsion of his to say, I have to do this. This has to be me. And so, to to deny that I think keeps him you know it's almost like he can't breathe you know this is that that uh, to to be a racer is to be speed racer <laughs> again not to be too on the nose about it but, mm. but yeah I just I, I can't I, I can't get over that that particular uh, theme with him specifically no I think I think the the quote actually backs it up um, too because uh, I, I love the way when when you explain it that way it actually helps me understand why he said that at the end because uh, i would as went and looked it up too um because because racer x is well i mean his brother is basically well, we did spoilers yeah his, so his brother is basically saying what matters is if we let racing change us ah uh, yeah okay yeah um and and that makes i mean that makes so much more sense um because obviously everyone you know almost everyone else in the movie let racing ch- like i'm sure all the like I said, more like under every underdog story, like all the bad, all the bad guys, quote marks, uh, like they probably got into racing, you know, what snake oil or whatever his name was and cannonball Taylor or whatever. Like they probably got into racing for a lot of the same reasons that speed did. Um, you know, they, they probably just really love racing. Maybe it was the thrill. Maybe it's the, you know, the excitement, the, 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 the passion for winning, the desire the what, like it was good, but then you get in and something changes you. Uh, you know, what, it's what's, what speed is wrestling with the whole time. And even though I also saw the, the idea of family being pushed pretty hard, I, I really think it, it's, it's identity that kind of takes the cake. Mm-hmm. And I think if you take it one step further, it's, it's something that's really been personally connecting with me, which is why, I've always loved Speed Racer, but watching it now just makes me love it even more because films that really deal with encouraging people to do what they were created to do um, 
have, I don't know if have really resonated with me because I feel like there's a lot of people in my life personally. And this is one of those, you know, things that informs how we all come to entertainment with our own uh, baggage, good or bad. But I've had a lot of people in my life, uh, be very discouraged and another set of people also encouraged because they have been either told all their life that what they are good at or what they did wasn't a real job or wasn't like, uh, you can't, you can't earn money that way or it's not good enough. You know, like you always have to have like a fallback plan and basically discouraged from, from pursuing in, in, you know, I don't want to say reasonable because that makes it sound like you're still putting a, putting a lid on it, but, um, in wise ways, the things that they're good at. And every time I hear that, that speech from Susan Sarandon, um, you know, mom, uh, talking to speed, especially during, uh, uh, you know, the, the climax of the film, it's, I, I just, I'm like, this is the Wachowski version of chariots of fire. You know, this is, this is, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, this is, this is watching someone, you know, paint the Sistine Chapel. Uh, and I think we all have that in us. And whenever someone encourages people to do that, and I get to vi- like watch people do something that they were created to do, it honestly breaks me down because I think it's so beautiful. What you know, whatever it is, even if it's not something that people would consider beautiful, like in this case, speed racer racing really well, you know. Um, I think watching someone do what they were intended to do, like like anytime I see Aaron podcasting, I just I well up and I start weeping because I'm just like, this is what you made Aaron for, you know. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. There, there's yeah. uh, there, there's one thing that I wanted to add to the identity conversation, um, and that is for me, uh, there's a moment. And I, I, I'm going to be thinking about that word when I use it now, the rest of the podcast. But there is a moment in this that I really connected with uh, pretty well or pretty strongly. And that's when Racer X, his brother, does lie to him. And he tells him that, you know, the movie kind of gives you a little misdirection because your your expectation is that when Speed asks him about mm-hmm. his brother, he's going to pull off the mask and reveal himself because that's what every other movie does at this point. And you're going to get the great brotherly moment. But instead racer X says, you know, it's a mistake. If this is the case, it's a mistake I have to live with. And so as we talk about identity here, he has changed his identity. He is no longer Rex racer. He, he has, he has put that aside. He has shed that and he has become racer X and that is his purpose, and that is his new identity and his new life. And so he embraces that as well, because if he was to you know, just pull off the mask and be Rex again, then he has a problem, because he doesn't know, you know, he's kind of straddling that line. But instead, he just he has to embrace it, and he does, and he realizes, look, I'm more useful, and I, I can be more helpful, I can, I can do more as racer X right now or, you know, in my life. And so that's, that's what I have to be because this is the choice that I both made and that path that I was put on. And so he embraces that. And I just, I love that it's not just one character. And I think that's what makes a really above, it makes, it makes a good story 
super elevated is when it's not just that one character that you're looking at. You're not like, oh, well, yes, there's a theme of identity in Speed. Well, it's kind of all throughout. Mm. And, and other characters yeah. do as well. Yeah, I think one of the great things about the about the movie is that Speed isn't the only kind of hero to a certain degree. Like, there's lots of people who have nice arcs. So, like I said, there, there's lots of things to get into. And I can also agree with you, Aaron, that um, anytime I see a character experience a death and then they somehow are resurrected into a new life with greater purpose, I always find that very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's go with the other topic, uh, so we don't skip over that, and that is the importance of family because it's, I mean, it's it is on the nose. <laughs> it's it's what this is, <laughs> and we're not talking just you know blood here either. We're talking Trixie is part of the family. Um, yeah, Spritel, I guess, is technically part of the family, but Chim Chim is part of the family. Uh, the monkey. And so this family extends. Is Sprocket? Sprocket's not a brother, is he? Or is it Sprocket? I don't. Spark, Sparky. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's Sprocket. Sparky. That's a character from Fraggle Rock. Yeah, I thought right. so. Sparky is not a brother, is he? I don't think so. I think no. he's just he's like the like the uh, pit crew, pit chief. You know, crew chief. He's like, you know, he's like family. Exactly. To where you have to ask yourself, right? Yes. But I don't think he technically is. So, I really resonated with that throughout this. Just the the depth that this family was going through in their decision making processes. Um, there are many scenes. Uh, the one you mentioned a minute ago, Mikey, with the the end scenes. There, well, the whole ending sequence, honestly, you know, is one big example of that. Um, and there's just all throughout these moments where we see characters continually choosing each other over this corporate greed or over this system or over any kind of personal gain. And for me, that is just super refreshing and not something I expected to see in a Wachowski live action remake of a cartoon. Yeah, I, I, definitely agree with that and at some point because this had such like small parallels with fast and the furious at one point i was waiting for somebody like maybe pops or speed to say you know you can have any beer in here as long as it's a corona you know just there's this there's this idea that a racing family doesn't have to be a blood family that there's this connecting piece of not even just winning but racing together and it even it even echoes later on in the film where um, I, I don't know if it's a conversation that that Speed's having with his mom or maybe I think oh it's it's the conversation that Speed has with his his dad where his dad basically says uh, and and Mikey correct me if I'm wrong but he basically says look I guess I spent most of my life just think, making you feel like that the racing team was the most important and that you weren't um, and so by by sort of kind of exposing that what we see is pop saying look my family comes before racing and if you ever if if i had to choose between the racing world and my family my family comes first but at the same time it ties back into that first theme that you can't really separate those two i mean i guess you can but essentially um they they almost complement each other that the racing family and the blood family are intertwined and that's the reason why you have 
people like Trixie and Sparky that that we can't really disseminate if they're part of the family or not because they're all always together. They're always supporting each other, and uh, and that, and that's a strong thing. And I think the idea of family in movies and particularly with the the Fast and Furious franchise, that's what sells that franchise is that the building up of of that family dynamic. And in a lot of ways, the Wachowskis do that on the on a smaller scale over the course of this, you know, two hour adventure is they build up the idea of the importance of family in a very, very effective way. Yeah, I guess we could call it Fast and Furious, the animated series or animated. <laughs> oh, please. Well, <laughs> so, I, I'm not saying that I don't like the Fast and Furious movies, at least as soon as they added the rock, but. I think it's I think it's I think it's different um, for a number of reasons, uh, which aren't important enough to go to here. So I'm sorry I'm bringing it up. Uh, so let so let me skip back to the family piece. Um, I wanna I wanna not disagree, but I think it's gonna sound like I'm disagreeing, but I'm really agreeing. So I preface it with that. <laughs> well, now I'm intrigued. Okay. Um, I think it's I think it's too simple to say that this movie puts a put, puts a puts a high value on just family in general. I think if we say that, what it does is push pushes this idea that someone's um, their their birth family is the the most important. And I think especially generationally, uh, people our age and especially younger. The, the 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 nuclear family unit is not something that I think a lot of people are very close to, and so a theme that I actually see that I fi- I've found for probably ten or twelve years in film now that I did not see a ton before is not actually something I would call family. I would either call it um, adoption or found family. That you know, this is why everyone loves Firefly. This is why this is actually what Fast and the Furious does. Um, I, I think well because they do have the family aspect to it. There's like, oh, he's my sister, oh, my brother, I, you know, whatever Vin Diesel says. And but it's really about the team. It's really about like this th- this adoption of people who are otherwise unlike, who have a unifying idea or theme or love. And that bring them together, and I think that is actually a much more resonating uh, theme to, like I said, people who are under forty, mm-hmm. because they're moving. They're you know most people are our age are uh, electronically social. They're transient. They don't stay in one place all their life. Uh, they meet lots of people in very small amounts of time they don't they aren't really forced to become friends with people who are very different than them again because they can always move or join a different forum or you know unfriend them on facebook or you know whatever and so when you are actually truly accepted by a group of people in a culture like that it it really points to our i think inherent human love for the idea of adoption um, which I think has been kind of rebranded as found family because adoption brings up a lot of uh, connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea of found, of found family and speed racer specifically 
is something like I said, that's what's bringing uh, tears to my eyes. There's, there's the identity piece, but it's, it's the fact that you see other families in it. You see the Tagokan family and that's not really being a positive portrayal of the immediate family. They actually double cross everybody. Yeah. Um, you see, you know, the Vikings, the, the sisters, the, they get the diamonds. Like these are all probably blood family to some degree. And you don't see them doing really coming together, bonding for positive purposes. It's when you extend yourself out of, like I said, this nuclear, this immediate family, like the racer family has that you start sharing success. You start helping people blossom into the thing or the people that they were meant to be, or they really want to be. So that is, like I said, that's a long way for me to say that I kind of disagree about what you're saying the theme is, but I think you're, we're still describing more or less the same thing. Yeah. I actually really, that sense. I really, I really love when uh, you mentioned the, I forgot the name of the, the uh, family that uh, you, Yoroku is a part of, but when she comes with the invitation to give to speed, she actually says, I would say good luck Saturday, but you don't need it. You're already very lucky to have such a family. So even exactly. her, and she's acknowledging exactly what you're talking about, that she's coming from a traditional family, very mafia-esque almost, um, <laughs> and she's acknowledging the value and deeper, greater importance of the family that Speed has because mm-hmm. it goes beyond what she is experiencing herself. Yeah. Yeah. I would say as an extension of that, that, uh, and I agree, Mike, it's not, it's not like the, the elevation of the nuclear family is not what this movie is trying to do. I think it's the elevation of having common ground with the people in your life, having that, that, that single thread that keeps each person in, in your world connected to each other. And for speed and his, his crew, I mean, it was, it was racing and it was the love for each other through that, that, that kept them there. And, and, and it portrays a non-nuclear thing, which is actually beneficial because I think it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a world that more people can understand. I mean, my, my wife, she comes from a, (laughs) the, the most non-nuclear family environment that, uh, that you could, you can imagine. I mean, she was adopted and her, her, uh, her adopted parents ended up splitting and then they got, you know, one of them got remarried. So, I mean, you're talking just a crazy uh, family tree that, that she comes from. And, uh, and so a movie like this that says, look, you don't have to have a traditional mom and dad, even though speed did. Um, but you don't have to have that. You can have people in your life that, that bring value to you because you guys share this common ground of something, whether it's racing or movies or faith, you know, whatever it is, it's the thing that brings you strength. And I think it ties into that idea of being uh, valued for who you are and your identity doesn't have to be, you don't have to apologize for who you are because you're already accepted for who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the last thing I'll say about it um, real quick because it's more of a, uh, a note to ponder. I have, upon rewatching most of them, knowing where the Wachowskis are now, you know, you go to IMDb, it was, it says, you know, Lily or Lana Wachowski and in parentheses credited as the Wachowski brothers. So you have a set of brothers who now both identify themselves 
as, I guess, sisters, uh, I see themselves working out how they see the world through all their films, which, I mean, to be fair, is most directors or writers. And I think if you look at that and look at what we're talking about in Speed Racer, knowing where uh, the Wachowskis were on their journey um, of identity, you know, the things that you're saying, uh, you know, learning to be accepted and have people accept you for who you are and letting you just flourish in an environment and finding family and acceptance in places that maybe aren't your nuclear family. I think we're starting to see the Wachowskis telling a tale that whether is direct or indirect becomes a very self-reflective. Um, and it's always interesting to me when, when you see kind of art imitating life or vice versa. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, with that, let's just go ahead and roll into our connecting points. Um, I know that these are actually going to tie into this part of the conversation pretty well. And, uh, along with some of the stuff we've already talked about, uh, in identity and family, the two big themes. So Patrick, I'm going to let you go first, uh, with yours. Um, what was the moment that you would point to as the, the one that really spoke to you the most in this film and, and made you connected to its message? Well, there was a scene with the monkey. No, I'm kidding. That's not it. Um, for me, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) He was the most emotionally, you know, connecting. No, for me, it was the conversation speed had with his mom uh, when he is, I guess he just found out the truth about, um, the, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name about the, the, the racer that, that, uh, that he was like, was he burns? Yeah. He tears down the poster. He sits on his bed and he, um, it's just after he turns the sponsorship offer down and all of this stuff happens. And she says, um, from the movie, she says, when I watch you race, I feel like I'm watching someone paint or make music. I go to the races to watch you make art and it's beautiful and inspiring and everything art should be. I'm so impossibly proud to be your mom. You know, in that moment, I think speed needed to hear what he needed, uh, what he did mattered beyond just winning a race it reinforced that idea that a person should do what he does ultimately because he loves it. And Speed is good at what he does, and he should do it well, not because he needs money or stability or to keep his family secure, although those are those are good things, but because being something different wouldn't be him. And I also I love the fact that this is coming from his mom, that she's validating his passion, even through the moment where she says, there are times when I have to close my eyes. But mm. then there are times when I see you and I just see how good you are. And that's when she says, I'm so, I love that she uses the word impossibly. I'm so impossibly proud to be your mom. I don't know that anybody has ever said that to me that way or that I've ever said that to anybody. I, I, I'm looking forward to the day when I can say that to my son, when I can say I'm so impossibly proud to be your dad, where he actually gets that. And um, you know that theme is it, it's expressed a couple other times with Rex and Racer uh, X and then uh, with Rex and Pops, but but that moment I think really really summed up those two themes in in all their glory. Uh, and and Susan Sarandon did a fantastic job as his mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually agree. And we had the same <laughs> one for this film. Um, that was my moment as well. And I and I went back and forth between a couple, um, but that's the one that now both times I've seen the film has has I've really landed on that. 
um, for all the reasons that you mentioned and actually uh, tie into what Mikey brought up earlier is it, for me, this, this little speech here, this little motivating moment was very chariots of fire esque, you know, when she's talking about uh, when you race, it's art, you know, and that's, that's very much a, when you race, you know, this is, this is a chariots of fire thing about giving God the glory and that's what he's doing it for. Um, and she's kind of correlating that in a way. And I also, what the other thing that I really took out of this scene, in addition to kind of what you were talking about is the family aspect that it's, there's the mom and what she's saying to speed about her love and, and his, uh, for him and his importance to her. But there's also, again, the recognition of family as a whole, because at the end of this sequence, the end of this little speech, she says, it's going to be okay, honey. You'll see. We'll work this out. We just have to stick together and something good will happen. You'll see. And she's talking about the whole family. She's not just talking about herself and speed and she's bringing everybody into it. And she's saying, listen, as long as we are together and we are staying true to our values and staying true, we were having integrity and promoting those things then it will work out in some way and some form or fashion because they've already won essentially because it's not about winning a race. They've already won because of the way in which their family exists. And so mm-hmm. I absolutely love that moment as well. It's very hard for me not to get teary in that moment. <laughs> um, the only other time that I really start to cry uh, in this film is the final scene. Uh, so Mikey, what is your connecting point? That's so crazy because my connecting point is the final scene. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who would have How well it? planned was that? Um, all we needed was some uh, sliding cuts, you know, to kind of slide us between all the people on this podcast and the race at the same time. Um, let's see. So, so it's not that I didn't like uh, the, the, the mom chat. But to me, it's it's very similar to the you know the chats that Speed's having with Pop or uh, with the basically the inner conflict that Speed's having with himself in the Ghost Race, or when he has kind of like a bump and grind like track frustration thing with Racer X, and Racer X is talking to him about like how what they did wasn't futile and and winning the um, the Casa Cristo. Uh, it, it, all these pieces individually are shaping how speed thinks, but speed doesn't like speeds like grateful, but he doesn't get it. Like it hasn't clicked. Um, and, but then you move to the final race when, when speed is almost ready to level up to, to have his Neo from the matrix moment. Um, and then it, then it happens, and everyone's saying, if only he'll re- recognize that he can start the car from fifth gear, then everything will will be perfect. Everything will will come together, and uh, he'll have a chance. But it's more than that. It's that we get that montage. We we get uh, we get his mom kind of repeating some of her words. We get we get to see again uh, the excitement of watching the race with Pop. Um, but I think the thing that got me the most, and it's because, I, like I said before, uh, getting to personally experience people doing the thing that I would say that they were created to do or that they were 
best at in life, just uninhibited and um, uh, full of passion, is uh, when it cuts back during that montage of the final race and uh, his brother, or you know, who is now Racer X, uh, is kind of talking to him and says, you know, it's, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, but like, he's like, I'm not sure what it is for you, basically, that's going to drive you. But when it happens, I hope I'm there to see it. Um, and he says it with such subtle compassion um, that when it cuts to him watching it happen, watching speed, like, uh, spin through and the colors are mixing up and everything's blurry and showing us how fast and impossible and just in a trance that speed is, um, that we can, we can also visually see the beauty of a person doing what they were created to do. And when he throw those last two cars and he flies through the explosion, it's just awesome. It's like, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the scene. At, it's like the scene at the end of Jedi when the millennium Falcon flies out of the death star, you right. know? So awesome. Well, I, I, I can't disagree with you again. That's a, it is a powerful moment and one of the best endings in films, honestly. Uh, it's a, it's a perfect culmination to this one specifically, but just overall, it's, it's such a great wrap up to this story. And speaking of wrapping up, I think we're there. So, Mikey, uh, it's been awesome having you on, and I am really grateful that you were able to take the time out of your vacation to come talk about this movie with us. Um, it's been a long time coming. You, you've been very supportive as we've gotten started. Uh, you were one of the main uh, people to encourage me and to give Patrick and I tips uh, from a technological standpoint organizationally just to get us up and running and, and, and encouraging us to do exactly what we're talking about here, which is follow our passion that we had to talk about movies and to just do it, embrace it, uh, let it be our identity and, and go forth and, and make it happen. And so I, we're really grateful for that, man. Um, so well, now, now I'm confused <laughs> because I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say thank you for having me on or you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you just said you both. both. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I am, I, I cannot express enough. Uh, well, one it's, I love, I love to see people again, doing what they just, they're super passionate about. And you guys are obviously passionate. I, I can't remember what episode number we're in, but like, I feel like you guys have already done like half as many episodes in like six months as I have in like, in like two or three years. Um, so you guys are just, you guys are just killing it. And it's, uh, it's awesome to see you guys growing the, uh, the audience growing, the interactions growing and people really being encouraged from listening to your podcast. So, uh, if somehow, uh, you want to say that I was responsible for that in some small way, I will totally take it and also say that, one of my favorite things in the entire world is talking to people about movies. And so when people invite me on their podcast to do that, I am so, so one humbled that anyone would care what I have to say, but two grateful that you would reach out and let me do that. So you guys just thank you so much um, for letting me talk about speed racer, because apparently, as I mentioned earlier, I don't have near enough friends who have seen it yet. Well, hopefully we can encourage a few more with this. Absolutely. So, Mikey, before we end, end our our normal uh, way, can you go ahead and tell everybody where to find you if they've enjoyed you and they want to 
get more of your stuff uh, on the online? How do they do that? If you want to get more of my stuff, then you can go to <laughs> realworldtheology.com. That's R-E-E-L, worldtheology.com. Uh, I have a podcast there, Real World Theology. And like I said, we've been going on for about three years uh, just talking about film, really examining those moments. Uh, buzzword, Pee Wee's Playhouse kind of thing. Um, uh, examining those moments and themes and just ideas in why movies and stories connect with people. So if that interests you in any way, I'll, you know, give us a listen. Uh, come to the site. We have a whole stable of really, really smart, uh, considerate, uh, astute, and other really impressive adjectives. Um, of writers who write on film and love to discuss it. So you can find us there, find us on Facebook, find me on Twitter at Physification, or come join our real-world uh, theology discussion group on Facebook. So I think that's most of the ways. If you come to Real World Theology, you'll find me and anybody else connected to the show. So Awesome. Sounds good, man. And I, I encourage everyone to do that as well. Real World Theology is one of the like top three podcasts that really got me uh, – into podcast listening in the first place um, and and motivated me to want to talk about movies in a very similar way. Patrick, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at uh, Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. You can also find me occasionally hanging out at the Feelin' Film Twitter account. That's at Feelin' Film, F-E-E-L-I-N-F-I-L-M. And usually I am uh, pretty active in our Facebook group. So if you want to connect with me any of those places, you can also find me uh, at my website, thisispatch.com. All right. Well, for me, you can find me all over the web at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E, and in our Feel and Film Facebook group as well. Next week, we will be doing our third scary movie or Halloween-related movie of October uh, to celebrate the new holiday coming up, uh, and that is a it's favorite not a new holiday. Well, it's a, ho- it's a holiday. The, the, you're yeah. right. The the it's it's new for it's new for 2016. Okay, the, the first time we have ever had Halloween. Halloween. We have never had 2016 Halloween before, Patrick. <laughs> Thank you true, very much, true. buddy. But for uh, we're going to be covering one of my favorite films, which is Cabin in the Woods. I'm pumped. I love it. Patrick is not a horror fan, uh, and this is. <laughs> A different kind of horror film so i'm i'm very excited to see how you're going to react to this one um, okay patrick if you don't like cabin in the woods just stop. <laughs> I'm, just stop i'm there too really mikey i'm with you and i and i think it's he's so going good to. i think he's going to it's so good um, hopefully he'll be able to to pick up on enough of the the connections and the tropes to to make it make it a good experience. <laughs> okay here's hoping because if not it'll make for a really short conversation next week i'll be talking oh, there's a lot no way. <laughs> all right well that's it for this week uh thanks for being with us go enjoy speed racer again uh until next week stay positive and keep feeling film <laughs>